Okay, so we will proceed now to labor uh, labor authorized causes. Okay? So this is according to article 298 no, of the Labor Code of the Philippines. Another ground to terminate an employee is provided under the article 298. In the article, the grounds are derived from the side of the employer as compared to just causes from the employee is at fault. For this reason, the employer must give separation pay to the terminated employee except in case of closure due to business reverses or bankruptcy. So here, there is there is already an, an opportunity for the employee employee to be to be given the separation pay. No? Because uh, this is on the part, the proximate cause is because of the employer. And uh, uh, but there are exceptions here. In the case of closure due to business reverses or bankruptcy, so business reverses, uh, reverses or bankruptcy. Article two nine eight of the Labor Code provides that an employer may also terminate the employment of an employee due to the installation of labor-saving devices. So these are the re- reasons: labor-saving devices, redundancy, retrenchment to prevent loss, or the closing or cessation of operation or the establishment or undertaking unless the closing is for the purpose of circumventing the provisions of this title. By serving a written notice on the workers and the Ministry of Labor and Employment at least one month before the intended date thereof. In case of termination due to the installation of labor-saving devices or redundancy, the worker affected thereby shall be entitled to a separation pay equivalent to at least one month pay two or at least one month pay of every year of service whichever is higher so here we see that there is a very specific uh, provision as to how much it should be paid no? so as you can see um, undertake unless the closing is for the purpose of circumventing the provisions of the title. So here, kung immigration gigamit for the sake of circumventing it, no. So therefore, you will be, uh, you know, this should not be allowed. Okay, by serving a written notice on the workers and the Ministry of Labor and Employment at least one month before the intended. So here we see the implementation of a very important uh, due process procedural aspect. No? That it should be given one month before the intended date thereof. Okay. In case of termination due to the installation of labor saving devices or redundancy, so kung naing anna kanagining installation of labor saving de- devices like automation or redundancy in the part where there is a worker who has the same similar role or responsibility. So the worker affected shall be entitled to separation pay equivalent to at least one month pay or at least one month pay for every year of service whichever is higher. So for example, uh, the person is five years of service so he's entitled to five months pay. Or if one year rasiya or one year or less than a year then he is entitled to one month pay because at least his one month uh, pay or at least one month pay for every year of service whichever is higher man in case of retrenchment to prevent losses 
in cases of closures or cessation of operations of establishment or undertaken not due to serious business losses or financial reverses, the separation pay shall be equivalent to. Okay, so katong ganina, it is based on the installation of labor-saving devices or redundancy. So, murag ka nang umadubli ba? Or kung naay, hindi ma madobol yung tao tungkol sa machine. So, one month pay. Ang minimum. Unya, every year of service, na kay one month na. Sa case of retrenchment or prevent losses, in case of closures or cessation of operations, ni hunungin ang trabaho ninyo, of operations establishment or undertaking not due to serious business losses or financial reverses, the separation pay shall be equivalent to ihunong lang na retrenchment for the pre- prevention of loss pero ang hinungdan dili siya ihunong masis ang work no? uh, and then it's not due to serious business losses or financial reverses but there is a cessation of operations the separation pay shall be equivalent to to one month pay or at least one half month pay so, equivalent ko sa at least one month pay or at least pinakaubos is one half month pay for every year of service siya, whichever is higher, a fraction of at least six months shall be considered one whole year. So, in favor of the employee, good kay kung six months siya, considered na six months plus, considered one year na na siya. Then, for every year, dapat na kay na kay one half month pay na siya. At least, pinakaubos. So, may ngayon kang pinakaubos, meaning pwede pa din siya musaka. No? So, at least one month. Okay, so, in case of termination due to the installation of labor-saving devices or redundancy, again, it is one month pay. But for the retrenchment to prevent losses and in case of closures or cessation, we have here a one-half month pay for every year of service at least uh, shall be equivalent to one month pay or at least one-half month uh, pinakagamay one month pay gihapon. And then, one-half month pay for each year of service whichever is higher. Kung nagi six months, nagi kang a, that is automatically considered one year. The Supreme Court required that the notice of termination must be served personally to the employee for the latter to prepare for eventual job loss. So it should be served in personally. The employer may opt to not require the dismissed employees to report for work during the 30-day notice. So pili sa zila mo report na. Installation of labor-saving devices. Okay, so this is the first one. The law authorizes an employer to terminate the employment of any employee due to the installation of labor-saving devices. The installation of these devices is a management prerogative and the courts will not interfere with its exercise in the absence of abuse of discretion, arbitrariness, or maliciousness on the part of the management. In one case, modernization program is considered an installation of labor-saving device. So, kanang modernize na. In the case of modernization program of San Miguel Corporation Mandawi Plant, the company conducted a viability study of its business operation and adapted a modernization program bringing in high-speed machines to be used in the manufacture of its beer. The Supreme Court held that the installation of labor-saving devices was a proper ground for terminating employment. It was also held by the Supreme Court that the termination of employment due to the uh, introduction of machinery in the manufacture of its products for purpose of affecting more economy, uh, more economic and efficiency was declared valid. The use of this ground must be in good faith. 
okay? But not a controversial to any of the rules, no? The employer's implementation of modernization plan must be con- concrete and substantiated. It must be used as a facade to get rid of employees. The twin notice must be complied to give the chance to Dolly to validate the truthfulness and the installation of the labor-saving devices. The employer must pay separation pay. Let's proceed to redundancy. Redundancy exists where the services of the employee are in excess of what is reasonably demanded by the actual requirements of the enterprise. Succinctly put, a position is redundant before it is superfluous and superfluity of a position or positions may be the outcome the number of factors such as overhiring of workers, decrease the volume of business. Again, redundancy exists where services of the employee are in excess of what is reasonably demanded by the actual requirements of the enterprise. So just to summarize, a position is redundant where it is superfluous and superfluity of a position or position may be the outcome of the number of factors such as overhiring of workers, decreased volume of business, a dropper and particular product line of service activity previously manufactured or undertaken by the enterprise. The requirements for valid implementation of the company's redundancy program are as follows. Number one, the employer must serve a written notice to the affected employees. Okay, an employee must serve a written notice to the affected employees and the dolly at least one month before the intended date of entrenchment. The employer must pay the employees a separation pay equivalent to at least one month pay or at least one month pay for every year of service. Now, that is for redundancy. Whichever is higher, and the employer must abolish the redundant positions in good faith. And the employer must set fair and reasonable criteria in ascertaining which positions are redundant and may be published. Now, okay, clear. An employer cannot simply declare that it has become overmanned and dismiss its employees without reproducing adequate proof to sustain its claim for redundancy. Among the requisites of a valid redundancy program is the good faith of the employer in abolishing the redundant position. So, naagid siya, i-abolish gina ni mga position. Kaya kung imunang pulihan, oh, klaro kayo nga, you are trying to, circum- to, to circumvent the law. Fair and reasonable criteria in ascertaining what positions are to be declared redundant, such as but not limited to preferred status, efficiency, and seniority. The court also held that the following evidence may be preferred to substantiate redundancy. The new staffing pattern, feasibility studies, no? a proposal in the viability of the newly created positions, job description, and approval of by the management of, of the restructuring. No? Fair and reasonable criteria may include following but are not limited to a less preferred status, temporary employee, efficiency, seniority. Okay? The determination that the employee services are no longer necessary or sustainable therefore properly terminable is an exercise of business judgment of the employer. The wisdom or soundness of this judgment is not subject to the discretionary review of the labor arbiter and the NLRC, provided there is no violation of law, no showing that is prompted by by an arbitrary or malicious act. In other words, it's not enough for a company to merely declare that it's become overman. It must produce adequate proof that such actual situation to justify the dismissal of affected employees for redundancy. Reorganization is a cost-saving device. It's acknowledged by jurisprudence. An employer is not precluded from adopting a new policy conducive to a more economical 
and more effective management and the law does not require that the employer should be suffering financial losses before he can terminate the services of the employee in the ground of redundancy. There is no redundancy in case of merger of two corporations. The asset and liabilities of the absorbed corporations shall be assumed by absorbing corporation that includes contracts. This is without prejudice to employee who will resign or accept early retirement package offered by the absorbing corporation. Under the Corporation Code of the Philippines, two or more corporations may merge into a single corporation which shall be one that constitute corporations or may consolidate into a new single corporation which shall be the consolidated corporation. Let's proceed to retrenchment to prevent losses. Retrenchment is defined as the termination of employment initiated by the employer through no fault of the employee and without prejudice to the latter resorted by management. This is resorted by management during periods of business recession. Now this is retrenchment. Industrial depression or seasonal fluctuations or during lulls over shortage of materials. It is a reduction in manpower, a measure utilized by employer to minimize business losses incurred in the operation of business. Under Article 298 of the Labor Code, retrenchment is one of the authorized causes to validly terminate an employment. There are two kinds of retrenchment to prevent losses. When the company is already suffering losses, uh, the retrenchment is, is adapted to prevent further losses. And when retrenchment is adapted to prevent future losses. So, duha classy. When the company is already suffering losses, retrenchment is adapted to prevent further losses. Pwede said when retrenchment is adapted to prevent future losses. For retrenchment, the three basic requirements are proof that the retrenchment is necessary to prevent losses or impending losses, service of written notice to the employees of the Department of Labor and Employment at least one month prior to the intended date of retrenchment, Payment of separation pay equivalent to one month or at least one half month for every year of service, whichever is higher. In addition, jurisprudence has set the standards for losses which may justify retrenchment. The losses incurred are substantial and do not mini do not minimis. Okay, the losses incurred are substantial and not diminish. No, I'm not sure. Diminish. Uh, yes. The losses are actual or reasonably imminent, no? and the retrenchment is reasonably necessary and is likely to be effective in preventing the expected losses. And the alleged losses, if already incurred or the expected imminent losses sought to be forestalled, are proven by sufficient and convincing evidence. These requirements are summarized as follows. That retrenchment is reasonably necessary and likely to prevent losses which if already incurred are not merely de minimis but substantial serious actual and real or if only expected are reasonably imminent as perceived objectively and in good faith by the employer the employer served written notice to both the employees in the department of labor and employment at least one month prior to the date of intended date of retrenchment the employer pays the retrenched employee separation pay equivalent to one month pay or at least one half month pay for every year of service, whichever is higher. That the employer exercises, exercises its prerogative to retrench employees in good faith for the advancement of its interest not to defeat or circumvent, circumvent the right to security of tenure. 
and that the employer use fair and reasonable criteria in ascertaining who would be dismissed and who would be retained among the employees such as status, efficiency, seniority, physical fitness, age, and financial hardship of workers. So please take note of this. Substantial loss of company must be supported by an independent and audited financial statement. The financial statements audited by independent external auditors constitute the normal method of providing proving the profit and loss performance of the company. Losses must be supported by sufficient and convincing evidence. The normal method is discharging which is submission of financial statements duly audited by independent and external auditors. In the present case, Asian Construct failed to submit its audited financial statements within the two years that the case was pending before the labor arbiter. It submitted them only after it received the adverse judgment of the labor arbiter. In this controversial case, the Supreme Court ruled that the presentation of audited financial statements should not be the sole means by which to establish an employer's serious financial losses. Okay? Ruled that the presentation of audited financial statements should not be the sole means by which to establish employer's serious financial losses. The presentation of audited financial statements, although convenient in proving the unilateral claim of financial losses, is not required for all cases of retrenchment. The court cannot be blind and indifferent to current events affecting the society and the country's economy, but must take them into a serious consideration in its adjudication of the pending cases. In that regard, Section 2, Rule 129 of the Rules of Court recognizes that the courts have discretionary authority to take judicial notice of matters that are of public knowledge or are capable of unquestionable demonstration or ought to be known to judges because of their judicial functions. The principle is based on convenience and expediency in securing and introducing evidence on matters that are not ordinarily capable of dispute and are not bona fide good faith disputed. Indeed, the labor arbiter properly took cognizance of Paul's substantial financial losses during the Asian financial crisis of 1987. On its part, the NLRC recognized the grave financial distress of PAL based on its ongoing rehabilitation receivership. The CA likewise found that PAL had implemented a retention program to counter its tremendous business losses. The strikes of the pilots' union had aggravated. Such recognitions could not be justly ignored or denied, especially after PAL's financial operational difficulties had attracted so much public attention that even the President Estrada had to intervene in order to save PAL as country's flag carrier. Total exhaustion of all other means. Okay, the employee's obligation to exhaust all other means to avoid further losses without retrenching its employees is a component of the first element enumerated above. To impart, uh, to impart operational meaning to the constitutional policy of providing full protection of labor, the employer's prerogative to bring down labor costs by retrenching must be exercised, exercised essentially as a measure of last resort. No? An, uh, an example of this measure in a case of company resorted to other measures to abate its losses. It claimed that during the crisis period, it used as an office of a small room a mere cubicle with only two-person support staff in the persons of Grappelon and Hermili. It reduced the salaries of the employees by as much as 30%. The submission of the company is substantiated by the schedule of operating expenses for the year ended on December 31, 2002 and September 30, 2002. A quick glance at the schedule readily shows reduction of TSFI's operating expenses across the board. The schedule indicates a substantial decrease in the operating expenses from $5 million in September 2002 to $1.6 million at the end of the December 2002. 
in another case, the termination was held valid before the employer resorted to following cost-cutting measures withdrawing such privileges of employers' executives, expect rights, limiting the grant of additional monetary benefits to managerial employees, cutting down expenses, selling of company vehicles, and infusing fresh capital into the company. With the presence of other requisites, the Supreme Court ruled that the termination of employee is the, in the case was valid. Article 298, however, speaks of permanent retrenchment as opposed to temporary layoff as in the present case. There is no specific provision of law which treats of a temporary retrenchment or layoff provides for the requisites in affecting specific period or duration. Notably, in both permanent and temporary layoffs, the employer must act in good faith. That is one which is intended for the advancement of the employer's interest and not for the purpose of defeating or circumventing the rights of the employees under the law, under valid agreements. The burden of proving such sufficient and convincing evidence, the said closure or suspension is, a, is the good faith falls upon the employer. In one case, XC never offered any evidence that would indicate the presence of good faith suspensions of its business operations or undertaking. X's paramount consideration should be the dire exigency of its business that compelled it to put some of its employees temporarily out of work. This means that it should be able to prove that it faced clear and compelling economic reason that would reasonably constrain it to temporarily shut down its business operations or that the ACT project incidentally resulting in the temporary layoff of its employees assigned to that particular undertaking. Much worse, it continued to hire new employees with the same qualifications as some of the respondents. Through paid advertisements and placements in the San Star Cebu local newspaper dated February 24, 2010 and March 7, 2010. The placing of an employee in floating status presupposes, among others, that there is less work than there are employees. But if XC continued to hire new employees, then it can reasonably be assumed that there was surplus of work available in existing employees. Hence, placing respondents in a floating status was unnecessary. If any of the respondents with their experience, knowledge, and familiarity, the workings of the company should be preferred to be given new projects and not new hires who have little or no experience working with EXI. Withal, in both permanent and temporary layoffs, jurisprudence dictates that one month notice rule to both the dolly and the employee under is mandatory. The second type of retrenchment is when termination is resorted in order to prevent future losses. In this case, Proof of financial losses is not a condition sine qua non. The requirement for financial statement is not required in the second type of retrenchment. The employer who in good faith foresees a future loss need not wait to happen, but it must be exercised in good faith. The most important element in the purpose of termination, which is to prevent losses in the absence of which makes the termination illegal. The employer is not required to have suffered losses already. The requirement is that there is impending losses, hence the company resorts to retrenchment. So what is the difference between retrenchment and redundancy? Retrenchment is the reduction of work personnel usually to poor financial returns aimed to cut down costs for operation of salaries and wages. Redundancy, on the other hand, exists where the number of employees in excess and what is reasonably demanded by the actual requirements of the enterprise. Both are forms of downsizing and are often resorted by the employer during periods of business recession, industrial depression, or seasonal fluctuations. And during lulls in production occasioned by lack of order shortage of materials, conversion of the plant for new production program, or introduction of new methods, more efficient machinery or automation. Retrenchment and redundancy are valid management prerogatives provided they are done in good faith and the employer faithfully complies with the substantive procedural requirements laid down by law and jurisprudence. For valid retrenchment, the following requisites must be complied with. 
The retrenchment is necessary to prevent losses. Such losses are proven. Written notice to employees to dolly at least one month prior to the intended date of retrenchment. Payment of separation pay equivalent to one month or at least one half month per, per year of every service, whichever is higher. In case of redundancy, the employer must prove that. Okay, redundancy this time. That a written notice was served in both of the employees and Dolly at least one month prior to the established date. Separation pay equivalent to at least one month pay or at least one month pay for every year of service. Good faith in abolishing the redundant position and adoption of fair and reasonable criteria ascertaining which positions are declared to be redundant and accordingly published. Closure or cessation of operation not due to serious business losses. Article 298 of the Labor Code contemplates of two situations where the employer closes down his or her business. Closure not due to business reverses, and closure due to business reverses or bankruptcy. The other one is a clear example of management prerogative as long as it is done in good faith and does not get rid of the union. So we will stop here from closure not due to business reverses.